Good morning, good morning. Wow, isn't this great? I mean, look at us all here. This is wonderful. Uh, may I welcome you. May I welcome you to one another, but may I welcome you into the presence of the Lord. My name is Victoria, and I'm one of the uh, leaders and preachers team here at St. John's. It's a glorious day in August. Uh, there are lots of us here. Um, and we are part of, uh, we're part of a church family. And at the moment, over these next few weeks, and I do commend you to listen to the whole series of Colossians that we're going through at the moment. It's all on audio online. We're going through a series looking at how we are built up as disciples in Christ. And you know, as I was thinking about the service this morning, and I'm looking at you all here, you are being built up just by showing up. Have you ever heard of the spiritual gift of showing up? <laughs> Have you heard of that one? I didn't quite find it in the Bible, but I think the Lord understands the sense behind it. Do you know, brothers and sisters, when we just show up, when we are just here, when we are present, when we come together, where two or three are gathered together, there is God in the name of Jesus in the midst of us. And isn't this marvelous? So as we have shown up together, let's just choose to really be in God's presence together to open our hearts and open our minds to what he will say to us. Because frankly, if Jesus says he's here in the midst of us, he's not going to just sit there being silent, is he? He's going to want to speak to us. He's going to want to encourage us. He may even want to challenge us. But let us, let us embrace the fact we've shown up together. Look around, look around, just look around. Look, look at these brothers and sisters that have chosen to show up and be in God's presence. Hallelujah. Um, I'm just going to read a verse that's become very familiar to us as the band come up and, um, and begin to lead us in our first songs. And let me say, if you're a, a newcomer among us or if you feel new among us, Bless you for showing up. Bless you for being here. You know, we welcome you. So Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come together, that we can worship you, that we can praise your holy name. Amen. Do let's stand.
do please sit down. So just uh, to orientate us, particularly for those who might not be familiar with our service, uh, we're going to take uh, a time of confession in a little while. Uh, then we're going to uh, sing another song, and then the children are going to leave us. We have uh, full children's groups for those of you here with uh, primary age children. You are really very welcome uh, to encourage them to join our children's group. Nigel is going to be speaking to us later from Colossians uh, chapter 2. And we're also going to have Rachel and Benny Medhurst um, here with most of the children um, are going to come and share with us for a few minutes on the work they're doing at Hebron School, which is one um, of the outreaches that we as a church um, are very pleased uh, to support. But let's, uh, let's just think now, and uh, for those of you together, perhaps with families, um, those of you who are here on your own, uh, just consider together those things over this past week. I certainly have my own list of things that perhaps God wouldn't have been overwhelmingly happy about. Um, we all do it, but one of the incredible things about being rooted in Christ is that when we come to him and say we're sorry, what happens? Somebody, what happens? One of the children tell me, what happens when we come to Jesus and we say we're sorry? Does he say, hmm, that's no good? What does he say? Do any of the adults know? I mean, do you know why you're here? So come on, what happens? Does he, he forgives us and we come daily to be forgiven. But before we're forgiven, we come to our Father in heaven in the name of the Son to repent. So let's take a moment to consider that as then we join together um, in the prayer of repentance. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us. Restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And in our reading that you will hear later, it says these wonderful words. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge which stood against us and condemned us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you that because of the cross, we stand redeemed and forgiven before your throne of grace. Amen. Um, so, uh, let's move on now. I think we're going to share together in the creed. Um, for those of us who have children with you, do please encourage them to uh, try and read the words with you. This is what we believe. This is what we believe as a church family together. And it's good, uh, we don't do it every week, but it is good to declare this in some way, shape or form as a family together. So please uh, let's join together in declaring the creed. Though he was divine, he did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a slave. 
He was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, death on a cross. Therefore, God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Okay, we're now going to sing a song. I always think of this song as the Lego song. Um, I wonder if you can guess what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of it as the Lego song. What's this one? Brick on brick. So uh, we're going to have this song being sung. And I just want to just, a little thought that came into my head. Can you build a house with one brick? No, you can't. You need loads of bricks together. So let's stand up and be loads of bricks together being built into God's house. Absolutely brilliant. Lots of bricks being built together into God's house. So children, do sit down a minute. Um, children among us, uh, let's just pray for you. Father God, could you just come by your Holy Spirit and really encourage these younger members of our church family? Would you build them not just up, but would you build them together? Would you give them a sense of being part of your kingdom together? And would you be with those who are going to teach them and care for them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, go kids. Go and have fun. Go and learn. Go and tell us all that you've learned afterwards. Feel free to just chat together for a minute. And come back as soon as you can, um, adults, because then Rachie and Benny will be speaking to us. Can I, can I draw us together, please?
So, brothers and sisters, a few notices, and then I have some bands of marriage, and then we're going to invite uh, Rachel and Benny uh, to come and uh, just share with us for a few minutes. So, first of all, Holiday Club, um, fully booked out it was uh, on Wednesday, um, as was Holiday at Home. And I gather, I wasn't there, we were still away, but I gather from those who were there that it was just absolutely wonderful. So uh, let me encourage you. I looked at the website a couple of days ago, and I think there's some, still some places in two weeks' time, the 17th and the 31st. Um, so do please, if you have friends with primary age children, if, do encourage them to book up. Um, I think it was a, a great morning and then an afternoon for the senior members of our church um, and their friends. Um, cream tea, it's August, it's summertime. Um, here in church on the 20th of August, have I got that right or is it the 21st? Whatever is the Sunday, 21st, thank you so much. Um, note to self, look at the calendar. Um, so Sunday the 21st, we are going to have a cream tea, either kind of in church or out in the garden, for the church family, again, just to get together. Please come, please join us. Um, it'll be provided, but if you fancy bringing a cake or so, you'd be very welcome, there'll be more information. Uh, and I think that's all. So let me now uh, read the Bands of Marriage here. So I publish the Bands of Marriage between Akin Kunmi, Ayodoji Akin Loye, and Samantha Manjula Warnagula, both of the parish of St. John's Plumstead. And this is for the third time of asking, are either of you here by any chance? No, probably here the first or the second. And if any of you know any reason in law why they may not marry each other, you are to declare it. So let's just pray for them. Father God, um, thank you that these two, uh, Akin Kunmi and Samantha, are not taking this lightly. They have chosen to come before you uh, and be joined together in holy matrimony. Would you please be with them as they prepare? Would you guide their thoughts? Would you guide their preparation? And above all, would you prepare them for a life together in your name? And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great. So, Rachel and Benny, would you, are they both here? Yes. <laughs> would you come? Perhaps you could take that. Um, I have my questions here. <laughs> it's an interview, don't you know? <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, Rachel and Benny are long-standing members of St. John's. We're pretty much here from the cradle. It so happens Rachel um, is my daughter, um, <laughs> just by the by. I you mention that. And Benny um, is the son of Roger and Rosie and Louis, obviously, here. We are... It's a bit of a family affair, really. Um, but... God's call comes very clearly, and God's call came upon these two to go to a mission school in India. And St. John's, um, I understand, is pleased to support them in that. So before they go back tomorrow, we wanted to ask them uh, four questions. I'll just read them out, and then you can... So first of all, tell us about Hebron School. Um, secondly, what are the blessings that come from being at Hebron? What are the challenges you face? And then what can we pray for? Over to you two. Good morning. It's very nice to be here. 
Um, so we work at a school called Hebron. It's in South India in the Tamil Nadu, which is the southernmost state of India. It's an international boarding school. And it was founded over 100 years ago for the purpose of educating children whose parents were working in mission all over Asia, really. And they tended to be working in remote places where they couldn't educate their children um, locally, so they would send them to board at Hebron. And that is still what Hebron does, although the face of mission in Asia is quite different now. Um, but still, 60 to 70% of our student body um, are the children of Christian workers, and the staff work um, on a voluntary basis, and the children pay what they can, all the families do. So it's kind of, um, from the outside, it functions as a very normal international school. We do GCSEs and A-levels, um, and but there's a very clear missional purpose, and as staff there, um, it's really exciting to know that we're part of the wider picture of what the Lord is doing in Asia by looking after the children of lots of amazing people working all over the place. So Benny and I, um, we teach, Benny teaches PE and I teach English and drama. And we also are, um, we look after a, a boarding house of um, around 20, 25 big teenage boys. Um, we look after year 12 boys, so they're 16, 17 year olds. And we have three of our own small boys at home and a lot in the building attached to our flat. <laughs> So it's an absolute pleasure and a joy. Do you know, we were singing the, uh, the brick after brick, and um, I got this sense that we are, we're a brick. And um, one of the great things that Rachel's been saying is um, one of the genuine great joys is we get to uh, hear from the parents uh, of the students at the school and hear about some of the ministries that they're involved in. For us, being part of the brick and serving their families so that they are able to reach some of these communities is, is an incredible joy. Um, another joy is we, we get to work with teenagers. <laughs> For some of you, I'm, I'm aware that that may cause an enormous sense of anxiety or fear, but we love it. Um, we, we get to be involved in the daily lives, uh, particularly of these dorm boys, but in many other um, students at the school. And it is such a joy to, to work in an environment, I'm sure anyone else who's ever worked in a school, you get to see children grow, change, develop, and, and we get to see that. And a joy in that is that we get to be really open and clear about our faith, our struggles with our faith and our journey. And, and that's been really exciting. Mm. Um, I think uh, one more joy um, is, is that Hebron is a very unique school in that everyone who works there is a believer. And our staff meetings and all of our meetings together start and end in prayer. And God is really at the heart of, of everything that's going on there in all of the challenges. But it's amazing to be part of a community of believers who really bring and put everything in front of God. Um, and, and God is leading our way. So that is a real encouragement. The final thing is we do live in a beautiful part of the world, although it has rained solidly in the six weeks we've been here. And I just checked up the weather forecast and it's going to rain continually for the next two weeks. So there you go. Challenges. There are some challenges to where we work. Um, at the moment, Hebron is very much in recovery as the rest of the world is from pandemic times. when um, And that's particularly coming through financially um, and in staffing, there's a lot of fear about moving across the world, funnily enough, at the moment, and, and has been for the last few years. Um, and also in the mental health of our young people, many of our students went back and were online for um, a solid two years. And though some of those students were back in those remote places where their parents work, where they don't really have friends or communities. So... Um, We've got, yeah, we've got a plethora of mental health problems um, and issues at the school and that's something that increasingly we've been kind of involved in. And let's just pray that blessing. We can all join in this together. Um, the Lord bless you. The ironic blessing, as you know it, I should have asked that on the HP, but let's just pray that over these two. So may the Lord bless you and keep you 
make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Amen. Right. Great. So uh, we're going to move on now, we're going to have prayer, Sam, Sam is here, oh you were behind a pillar, um, so Sam is going to come and pray and then Roger will read to us um, and Nigel is going to speak to us, thank you. Great. Lord God, we thank you for our church. We thank that we have a community where we come together and fellowship and talk about you and praise you, Lord God. We thank you that we have a leadership that helps us organize times to get together and that also leads us. We thank you, Lord God, for the missions that the church does locally, um, including the summer holiday at home that went really well. And we also pray that the preparations for summer holiday camp may go well. May you be with the volunteers and may you bless the children and the youth that come as part of the summer holiday camp. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, I also pray for events that will be further away from the church, like the weekend away. May all the slots be filled up and may all that go have a great time. And may they come closer to each other in the body of Christ and may they also build new and strengthen old relationships. But Lord God, as our church grows and gets stronger and builds up, we also mourn that mourn those that we've lost. We pray for the family of Harold who has just left us, and we mourn for him, Lord God. And we, mourn, and we also pray that you comfort his family as they go through this very tough time and prepare for the funeral. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we also pray for our missions further afield. Um, part of our church is going to Abbasok Beach Mission, and I pray that you walk with them and they bring more hearts to Christ. We also pray for our missions abroad, Rachel um, Benny's, and also in Tanzania, Lord God, and I pray that you keep your covering over them and you keep continue to bless them. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we thank you for the good weather. We thank you for summer. And I pray that it may continue, and may we enjoy it, Lord God. And also, Lord God, we pray for climate change, Lord God. We thank you that you made this world, and you said it was good, and you made us stewards of this earth. And may we be those true stewards, Lord God. May we subdue it, but leave it a better place for our children. Lord God, I also pray for the financial situation in this country. I know um, there's been a lot of tough news, Lord God, that's come out from different people across this country, and I know that for some, they're scared of what is to come, Lord. But Lord God, you have us in your hands. You look over us, Lord, and I pray you bring peace where there may be fear, Lord, and, and you bring hope where there may be despair. And I also pray that you give wisdom to our leaders, that they may get us through the financial situation, that for those whose burden may seem heavy, they may support. And for those who may really be scared of what is to come, that you will be with them. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, I pray for places in conflict, um, places where there is war, whether it's Israel and Gaza, whether it's in the Ukraine, in South Sudan, in Yemen, and in the Congo. I pray that you may bring peace there and that you may bring a change of heart in the leaders there so that they may be able to engineer something that will be safe and peaceful, Lord. But Lord God, I pray especially for the children in those areas, for the horrors that they see. Lord, give them comfort, give them hope, and give them peace, that one day this shall end and they shall be children again. And also I pray for children of missionaries, wherever they are in the world, to understand that you've put a call on their parents, and that call is from you, Lord God. And also that one day they'll also have the same call on their hearts, to understand that all things work out for the good of those who love him. In, Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, I want to pray for the unity of our church, 
especially after the meeting of Archbishops in Canterbury earlier on this, this month and at the beginning of the end of last month. I pray that they will continue to focus on love and not condemnation. And where there may be differences, Lord God, bring unity, bring understanding from each other, Lord God, because we all serve you, Lord God, and we're all trying to build up in the body of Christ. May they have understanding, may they focus on you, may they look to you, and may our church continue to grow, bringing love and the good news to, to every part of the world. Lord, in your mercy. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. And as we have heard, the reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 2. And if you'd like to follow it in the church Bibles, which you can, you'll find in front of you, you'll find it on page 1183. 1183, and hopefully it'll also be on the screen. We're reading from verse 6 to verse 15. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off, when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's, uh, let's begin with a brief prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we come this morning to hear your words to us. Help us to hear and receive them and respond to them by living worthy lives, by being built up in our faith and by being overflowing in thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our current sermon series, as we've heard already in uh, the book of Colossians, and looking at, or based around, the third part of our church vision on being built up as disciples, building up disciples. Now, we might think this is a church function, but in fact, uh, we are the church, so it's part of what we're committed to ourselves, committed to building ourselves up in Christ and building each other up as well as a community and doing that through the work and guidance and power of the Holy Spirit. We are doing this, that is, thinking about being built up through this study of uh, Paul's letter to Colossians. So let's have a little review of how far we've come so far. And it would be really useful, I think, if, if you've got your Bible uh, in front of you to, to keep it open, um, 
not least so that you can check up on what I'm saying, which would be perhaps a useful thing to do. Paul is writing to this church, this church at the town called Colossae, and he gives thanks for them, and he says he, he is praying for them because he is pleased by what he hears about them uh, through other people. They, uh, they are developing, they are growing, and he wants them to be people who live worthy lives, bearing fruit, growing and enduring, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. They are to be people who are living worthy lives, bearing fruit, growing and enduring. Why? Why? Because God has brought them, and by implication us, since this letter comes down to us through the generations and the years to, uh, to us today, God has brought them and us into the kingdom of his Son, we are now people of the kingdom of the Son of God. And to kind of establish that, Paul goes on to describe who this Son is. He says, this is verses, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, that he, that is Jesus, is the creator of all things. He is eternal. He is supreme in every way, being the very fullness, the complete representation of God himself, because Jesus is God. And he goes on to say what this means to them and by implication to us. He says that once you were alienated from God, we were God's enemies, but now we have been reconciled to him and he will present them and us as holy in God's sight if, if we continue in the faith. The question about continuing the faith has some significance to what follows. What is he saying? Well, one of the things he's saying is that following Jesus involves change. We ought to be able to look back at what we were, to look at how we are now as Christian people, and to look forward to what God is doing for us and making us and taking us to be. And we should be able to see some progress in our Christian lives. We should not be now what we once were. And Paul calls them and us to a state of maturity. What is maturity? Well, a dictionary definition says uh, maturity is the state of having reached a stage of full or advanced development. Having reached a stage of full or advanced development. Which gives pause for a quick question How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing at maturity? How are we doing perhaps at holiness? How are we doing at having confidence before God? And I'm guessing that there'd be very few, if any of us, who would say, yeah, I've arrived, cracked it, sorted. None of us are fully mature yet. But are we making progress? Are we growing in our faith? And Paul then gives them a warning. He says to them, let no one, uh, let no one deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. Let no one deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. He's praying for this church. He's uh, saying how much they're growing, that they're living worthy lives, and yet he gives them this warning, let no one deceive you. You see, there were those at the Colossian church who said, Hey, guys, the gospel is great. We love it. But, but you need this as well. You need this extra bit. You need this action or this gift. You need a little something extra. They were the sort of gospel plus people. The gospel's great, but you need these extra bits. But there are also some people in and around Colossae who are saying the gospel's great, we love it, but... You know that bit? We don't need that anymore. We don't want that bit. We don't need this teaching, this discipline. These were the gospel minus people. They would take the gospel, but they'd say, we can leave some things out. And I think it's fair to say that there are those in the modern church. There's quite a lot of us here, perhaps even in this church, who would take some of those views, say, well, the gospel's great, but you need to have this as well, or you need to leave that bit out. 
And Paul says to them, beware, do not be deceived. How is Paul going to address this issue? Well, let me pause for a moment, because I want to make to you a very strong suggestion. Okay? Listen up. Here's my very strong suggestion. Come to church every week. Come to church every week to get the whole sermon series. All right? Um, Victoria said she couldn't find in the Bible where it says the gift of turning up. Can I suggest Hebrews 10.25? Do not forsake meeting together. All right? If you're one of those who's not here looking at me and smiling at me this morning, but you're listening on the website to the recording later, fine if you can't make it here, but listen to the recording every week. Because sometimes these sermons stand alone, and there's a sense in which they do, but they also build on each other. And when we get to the end of this one, I'm going to tell you that it builds on what comes next week. So come next week. They follow on, they complete, they fit together like jigsaw pieces. So, what does Paul say in the passage that we we had read to us? Paul begins, verse 6, Therefore, nobody's leaping to their feet and saying, my Bible doesn't say therefore. Well, that's because you've got the NIV. And it says, so then... But it's much the same idea. So then, therefore, and there's that old little joke about whenever you're reading your Bible and you come across a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. (laughs) Why is it there? Because Paul is going to build on what he has said previously. And he starts, verse 6, by reiterating that these people that he is writing to are themselves Christians, as most of us probably are here this morning. And he says in verse 6, Therefore, since you receive Jesus as Lord... Let's just press the pause button there for a moment. Paul is writing to you and to me, as well as to the Colossians. And the question is... Have we received Jesus as Lord? Is Jesus Lord of our lives? If not, this morning, then talk to somebody afterwards. Ask about receiving Jesus as Lord. I can look around this congregation, Victoria, um, you know, Roger, the, the Delaps, all... You know, I could pick out hundreds of people here who would, there'd be somebody in your pew who would be happy to talk to you about who Jesus is as Lord. And if they don't want to talk to you about it, they'll point you to somebody who will. Talk to somebody about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ. But if yes, he says, since you have received Jesus as Lord, he says, continue to live your lives in him. Don't stop. Don't be deceived by something else. Don't be put off by sidetracks that come along that stop you saying, Jesus is my Lord. How do we do that? How do we continue to live our lives in him? Well, Paul uses a bit of a mixed metaphor. You'll come across a lot of metaphors in the Bible and and you'll very quickly discover that no single metaphor tells you the whole story. That's why there's lots of them. And Paul here uses two. He says, be rooted, or being rooted. Rooted like a a plant that that, that the roots go down into the, the, the pot of compost or into the ground, whatever it is. That What does that do? That keeps the plant strong, it holds it up, but it's also the source of its life. It's where it gets its strength and its sustenance. And he says, be rooted in who? In Christ Jesus. We should be rooted in him. He should be the source of our life, the source of our sustenance, the source of our energy. But not just be rooted, he says, be built up. 
Be built up like a building, like a temple perhaps, on a firm foundation. Everything we do should relate to him. Everything we do should be built on him. And how do we do that? We do that by being strengthened in the faith that we were taught, i.e. continue learning the faith that we have learned already, continue taking in the teaching, continue taking in what we're told, what we read for ourselves, what we discover for ourselves, so that we can be built up and we can be rooted and draw our strength from him. How do we know whether that's happening? Well, one of the things he says here is being rooted and built up and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. One of the measures of how mature we are may be how much we overflow in thankfulness. This has been a bit of a challenge to me as I've been preparing this about how thankful I am in my life. And I was, I was reminded, some of you are, are sufficiently new to the church that you weren't here in 2015, 2016. But we sang a song this morning. The very first song that we sang this morning was the song that's commonly called 10,000 Reasons. It's actually called Bless the Lord, O My Soul, I think. And it talks about, it has that line in it, 10,000 reasons for my heart to find... 10,000 reasons for blessing the Lord. And 2015, 2016, we had a bit of a challenge here in church. We thought, could we actually think of 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord? It took us about a year. But the answer is yes, we could. And they're all listed here. And you're welcome to come and have a look afterwards. Some of them are just, you know, ordinary, everyday things, but there they are. But are we people who today are overflowing with thankfulness? Thankfulness for forgiveness, for having a saviour, for God's grace, for his love poured out into our hearts, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, for the church, for those who teach us, for those who encourage us, for provision, for protection for a new life. Paul has been saying once we were dead, but now we've been made alive. Are we thankful people? And in verse 8, he then returns to this warning that he's made. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. This relates a little bit to what we said earlier about people who were proposing the gospel plus something or the gospel minus something. He says what they're proposing is a hollow, deceptive, human, falsely spiritual thing And it's not based on who Jesus is, on Christ. And he goes on to address some of these points in turn. Some of these false teachers were saying that God is a perfect spirit and therefore he has to be separated from his creation. Paul says, in him all things were created. He's not separate from his creation, he made it. Some of these false teachers were saying that God is perfect. Because he's perfect, he cannot come into contact with the material world. And Paul says, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He didn't only make the world, he came into it in our form and in our style and lived within the world that he had made. Some of the false teachers were saying God works through lesser powers like angels and other spirits. And Paul says, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness for he is the head over every power and authority. He doesn't just use these powers and authority, he is head over them. Lesser spirits and powers, if they existed at all, he created them. He is superior to them. And the important work of reconciliation, 
He did himself, not through others. False teachers were saying that if you want to be a real Christian, you have to be circumcised. That's mostly a Jewish practice, though other religions also use it these days. Originally, circumcision was a sign of the covenant between God and his people. It was a sign that they were God's people. The Old Testament speaks of circumcision of the body, but it also speaks of circumcision of the heart. Sometimes we gloss over that and miss it. Jeremiah 4.4 and elsewhere, for example. Our hearts, the core of our being, have to be right before God. And Christ, Paul says, verse 11, Christ has made our hearts right with him. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off. The implication is like dirty clothes. It was put off by Christ. And so our baptism is the sign of what has happened to us. Buried with him, raised with him, we have a new life. We need circumcised hearts. Do we have them? And being raised to a new life is the key here. It's the key here. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about being born again. Elsewhere, it talks about being a new creation. Verses 13 to 15, he says, We were dead in sin, but God has made us alive in Christ. So what's happened? We've sung about this already today. I just love it when... I'm sitting in the congregation and I see the way a service has come together. Lots of different people contributing things and it all fits. It's almost as though somebody's in control, isn't it? Yeah. We've been made alive with Christ and our sins are forgiven. The charge against us has been cancelled. We're no longer under condemnation before God. We have a new life in him. How? Not by physical acts like circumcision, not by third parties like angels, not by some special knowledge that only certain people have, not by following human rules, as we will see next week, but by God nailing it to the cross, triumphing over them by the cross, paying the penalty for your sin and mine, forgiving us, bringing us into the kingdom of his Son. The cross is central. We have new life. We have been received by God because we have received Jesus as Lord. Do we rejoice in it? Are we overwhelmed with thankfulness? Are we building ourselves and each other up? Don't settle for any substitutes, he says. And we'll get more on that next week. So be here. Just take... A moment to reflect as the band uh, just begin to uh, start leading us in our final song. Lot, lots to take in there, but basically it's Jesus number one.
Father God, thank you that uh, what you did for us on the cross was for all eternity. Um, not just for now, but for all eternity. And we, we just bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Do please sit down just as we draw to an end. Some of you may um, have read this in our Friday bulletin. Let me just read you this verse. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There is something very fitting as we speak of um, being in Christ here on earth to remember that when we are in Christ here on earth, we are in Christ for all eternity. Um, and some of you will have read that our dear brother, um, Harold Tillich, went to be with the Lord on Thursday. And there is sadness there, and particularly for those brothers and sisters who have really loved him and cherished him over the last few years as he was less well. But there is a joy that this brother of ours who knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and even on Monday had been saying, I am ready for my eternal rest, is now with the Lord. Um, but I did just want to share that with you. And let's just take a moment uh, to pray for him, to um, particularly support those who were closest to him, but to rejoice. Uh, that what we have here on earth is for all eternity. Father, thank you for Harold, uh, for his life among us. He was also such a dear friend and companion of Brenda, who went to be with you um, uh, so very recently. And we ask that you would um, be close to those in his small group particularly, uh, who cherished him and cared for him. And Father, as we remember Harold, we remember uh, this gentleman uh, who knew you as his Lord and Saviour and who is now with you for all eternity. Amen. So brothers and sisters, do uh, enjoy each other's company. If there is anything that's happened during this service that you just want to discuss further, please come and talk to me, come and talk to Nigel. Uh, join us at six o'clock for our evening service or next uh, Sunday again at 10 o'clock. Bless you. Bye-bye.